We know, chapter 6, verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The Moffat translation renders verse 9, For we know that Christ never dies after his resurrection from the dead. Death has no more hold over him. That concept of dominion. Death has no more hold over him. The death he died was for sin once for all. But the life he lives is for God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's where we were. Any thoughts before we strike out in the, the next verses? What does it mean to be... I'm going to ask the... the backing up in a concept for just a second. What does it mean to be enslaved to sin? Owned by it. Owned by it. Governed by it. Controlled by it. Controlled by it like a puppet is controlled by a puppeteer. Incapable of doing anything but sin. It is ruler in your life. You don't have choice. No choice in the matter. You might be able to choose what kinds of sins you'll commit, but you have no choice not to sin. That's, that's the problem. The, the strings aren't cut on the puppet. Being dead to sin. How do you understand that? Sin has no power over your life? That's, yes. Any amplifications on that? You know, I like what my book, well, 11, where it says, reckon yourselves mm -hmm. to be dead unto sin. Because if you truly were dead unto sin, you wouldn't sin anymore. But when you reckon yourself, you should act that way. So I think there's still a power, but it's not a power that you have no choice over anymore. You must consider yourself, reckon yourself, understand yourself. Conceive of yourself as being. There is still sin present. There's the desire to sin. It, 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 it woos you in the opposite sense of God's grace wooing you. It, it, it woos you to, to want to do it your own way or somebody else's way but not God's way. And it is possible to stumble into it. But the difference between being under the dominion of sin... And alive in Christ is that you have the freedom to not sin. Sometimes we retie the strings on the puppet strings of sin. And God's grace comes along and cuts them again. And we're retying them again. But they've been cut. And if only we could learn 
to truly consider ourselves, to reckon ourselves dead to sin, not under the dominion of sin any longer. Quit tying those stupid strings. Quit retying the stupid strings. That's what the, and it's a term that we have trouble with in the world today because of various issues. But lordship. What's a lord? A master. Huh? A master. A master. What's a lord? Ruler. Ruler. What's a lord? A leader. A leader. What's a lord? English title. Huh? English title. English title. Nobility. <laughs> <laughs> Nobility. Nobility. The English title. It gives that person who has a status in the culture and society, which is theirs by right of birth or naming by the monarch. All right? Position of authority. And actually... This one right here does kind of bespeak all of these others. What has a position of authority in your life? Whatever has a position of authority in your life is your Lord. Is it money? Is it sex, drugs, or rock and roll? The traditional three? <laughs> Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Sounds a lot better than money. Is it being involved and concerned entirely with the things of this life? Is it God? Who is your God? Is another way of asking that question. Lordship. Now the word Lord translates the Hebrew word. I'm going to write it in English. Adonai. And also, if it's in all caps, translates the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And Yahweh definitely is in a position of authority. It's the very essence of, of who Yahweh is. Is God, position of authority, the one who has power. Which, by the way, is another way to translate Lord. So, does sin have lordship? Is sin your Adonai? The Greek word is kurios. Kurios. Who has lordship? Who is your Adonai? Who has, is your kurios? Is it, is it sin that has all of these characteristics over you? Or is it God? God, you hope. And notice, when you're talking about sin, you're not talking about freedom. A lot of people want to do this. They want to say, well, I don't want to have a Lord over me. I want to be free. You can't be free. You just can't be free unless the Lord sets you free. The Lord of your life sets you free. And sin 
doesn't set you free. It wants to maintain control over you. Only God loves us and is willing to set us free in Christ Jesus. The freedom to choose. Yes or no. The freedom to follow God's will or not. The freedom to say, I want to trust in God. I want my life to conform to God's will for me. It's the simple freedom to say yes or no to the offered relationship. The lordship of sin is cut. We are then made free to choose our Lord. To choose the authority. And by choosing God, by choosing Christ Jesus, we have chosen the one who sets us free to make the choice, who then truly sets us free with true freedom. Can you trust money? No. But yet, think of God, now think of God in the same exact context. The unchanging, all-loving God. Can you trust him? That's the confidence question that is rooted within the concept of faith. Faith in money, money will quickly desert you, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Faith in God, no. We desert God. God doesn't exactly. desert us. So, the death Jesus died, he died to sin. Once and for all. When he died, he died to sin for us. He died to cut the strings of the puppet master of sin. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. Because he died to sin, our sin, for us, we are now free to live for God. In Christ Jesus. So you must consider. You must reckon. Yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. Isn't just a transaction. Where Jesus pays for our sins. So that the ledger is reads zero. In that matter. For us. It also frees us from the governance, the power, the authority of sin. If only we say yes, accept it. That's what you talked about back a couple of chapters where we were two things. It was the grace that was overriding, and then there was the acceptance of that free gift. Exactly. Precisely. You gotta do both of those to fall in the category. Precisely. And then if you can't Say again. cut the cord? If you, if, well, you don't really cut the cord. You simply say, yes, cut it. I accept the cutting that you have done for me. And if you go back to the sin? If you go back and retie the string, you put yourself back under the dominion. You're not considering yourself free from it. You have put yourself back under it by cutting it. God's grace is so amazing in that while Jesus died for sin once for all, the application of his death is repeated every time we need it. But if you have a strong compulsion that you can't help. Well, God can override that too. Uh -huh. 
with time. I don't know about that, Master. I've seen it. Oh, I've seen cases, yes. So I said God can, and not necessarily that God will in every circumstance, but God can. I think that we as humans might struggle with why, wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't. We would go, you tied that string, fine, keep it there. Learn your lesson. That's what and we God, would say as humans. Right. Yeah, and God just cuts it. And God repeatedly comes back and recuts it and gives us the freedom, even though, even if we're under, the, as you say, that strong compulsion to retie. The difference is you have the choice now, though, to, yeah. if you if not to do it, and it may be something very, you know, obviously hard, but you, you do have the choice to do it. Well, I think what Lee might be referring to, what, what comes to my mind, is what we talked about before. If you've got a chemical addiction or you've got alcoholism, you yeah. that's a good. Your friend yeah. is a good example. Yeah. He may not have a choice now. That's an illness. That's a sickness. If his only choice is to try to, as you say, hit rock bottom and hope that God helps him, and then cuts some of those strings for him because he's not going to be able to cut them. I think the concept is God doesn't go about overriding the eventual Our human choice. Yeah. Well, he sure did in the Bible a bunch of times. Well, God we, sometimes seems metaphor. to and sometimes seems not That's to. Right. And the point is when... Why? Yeah, exactly. Why? Thank you. Oh. Didn't we just come back to that? Didn't I ask that question? You know what, Rich? I don't know why God does it. <laughs> Other than this, God has God's reasonings. And, exactly. And, and God doesn't God doesn't I hate to say it, but this is true. And I sound like a Calvinist when I say this. <laughs> but God doesn't necessarily want everybody. God wants those who will freely decide to choose to trust God. I think along with that, some of us have, um, <laughs> have uh, maybe more hard-to-break spirits Stronger will. <laughs> I think what Paul says next answers at least part of our questions, but of course it continues to leave us asking questions, and that's the way it should be. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Easy for you to say, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Paul had his own problems, these sins that were trying to exercise dominion in his mortal body. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. You know, this one that has an interest. This is don't let it rain in your death-doomed body. Death-doomed body. I mean, it certainly makes you think about that in a way that, yeah, this body is doomed to die. I mean, and, and you're riding along in this life in a vehicle that you know the outcome of that. It is mm -hmm. absolutely death. As you yeah. said, you knew it was going to end. Mm -hmm. And what a privilege it is to know that you don't have to go down where that body's going to go at the, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that translation is absolutely fantastic. To phanto umon somatai. Phanto, thanatos, death, literally, mortal, is the word from which we draw in modern scientific English thanatology, the study of death. 
per, that's a fantastic translation there. Mine says mortal body. Mine says mortal body as well, but that's what yeah. mortal is. But it doesn't have an impact like death. Doomed. Yeah, death, death doomed. Death, <laughs> di- literally dying body, somatai body. So the Greek here, we think of mortal. We realize, we we realize intellectually that mortal means you're going to die. You're not eternal. Physical, physical, mortal body. But we've sanitized that. Death doomed, dying body does get the idea across rather well. You know what the rest of that verse, the way it says, it says, "Let not sin therefore reign in your death doomed body." That ye should be obedient to its covetings. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it, obedient it, to its covetings. You know, I, what, what I like about that, it, it lets you kind of step out of your body for a second, and it's and look at yourself as saying, you know, I don't. It's a separate person, like that new man and that old man of sin. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that person. You can almost make it a third person, and, and don't make it so personal anymore that and be embarrassed by the actions that that person in the past has taken. Understand that it is the covetings of this doomed body that you don't have to choose to go along with. It's, it's the proclamation, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Yeah. Therefore do not let, this is the NASB reading, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Now, that's a little more racy. This is says evil desire. That's a little more racy. Uh, passions, lusts, evil desires evil in the desires NIV. Evil desires covers more. Yeah, this says lust too. Evil desires cover, covers lust, lust and everything else. What, what is it? What lust is coveting? Mean, uh-huh. Oh yeah, lust yeah. is coveting. Yeah. Hers yeah. says puny instead of mortal. The living body. Living body. It says puny what? Puny body. <laughs> right? That's funny. Let sin control your puny body and my grandmother used to say when I'd ask her how she's doing, if she wasn't feeling well, she said puny. <laughs> no longer present your members. Ooh, well, this is interesting. <laughs> what members? <laughs> no longer present your members as uh, members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Do do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Okay, we got too many words here. Members and instruments and Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's the I was giving you two different translations there. Let's see what 13 says here. Well, I'm saying your ye members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin and then we're your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So what's the members and the instruments? This version may may help you. It says, um, Neither be presenting your members as weapons of unrighteousness unto sin, but present yourselves unto God as though alive from among the dead, and your members as weapons of righteousness unto God. Mm -hmm. So it's the using your eyes or using your hands or the members because they're members of this dying body. But you have a mind 
that has the ability to control how these members are being used. Mm -hmm. And you have control over whether you go and get a drink every day, or you, you, ha you do, you have control over that. And he's saying, don't use your, mem don't let your members rule your mind, but have Is your Paul mind. Paul always compares to the church, Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. Exactly. And okay. different members of it. Here's the Amplified Bible's rendition. Of course, they they get it by three times as long, but it's a little clearer. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments or tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God presenting them as implements of righteousness implements of righteousness very nice isn't that a complicated way of saying now God work through me to do your good precisely because He's the one that's right. Use me present as... Present my body as one who can now act. You know, like to, we said, active belief. To provide another translation, but a little more free-flowing. Instead of become... Instead of being a means of sin, provide present yourself to God to become a means of God's grace for others. You want to hear it in plain English? Uh, you mean the living? No, no. She means the living. Give us the living. How much time do we have now? Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. But give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Beautiful. We should have started with that. <laughs> I kept waiting for that. Save me confusion. That's too easy. You have to struggle through it. Verse 14 puts the nail in it. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, that dominion business, again, lordship. Sin, even, even though we pretend as though sin has lordship over us, in truth, if we're living in Christ, it doesn't. We have to reckon ourselves, though, as we have to consider ourselves. We have to really see it and believe it and therefore act upon it. For sin will have no dominion over you. Sometimes it feels like sin has dominion, but it doesn't. So long as we are reckoning ourselves as considering ourselves dead to sin. Since you are not under law, but under grace. Well, he kind of gets a two-for-one shot in there, doesn't he? He does that law thing again. Yeah, he hits that law thing again. He sure does. And notice who he says that to. Does he say that? Who does he say it to? He says it. He's writing it here to the same people he's been reading to all along. Jewish Christians. Exactly. Who were talking about the importance of the law. And abiding by the law. And no, we're under grace now. So what then? Yes. So he's saying the Mosaic law. Yes, that's, when he uses when he talks about nomos, when he talks about the law in all of his letters, 
unless he specifically talks about a different kind of law and, and identifies it as such, then he's talking about the law of Moses. Okay. As it was utilized by the Jews in his era to try to obtain righteousness for themselves. See, I think we can understand, though, how those Jewish Christians might feel. All that trouble knowing all those laws. Think of Gray, his PhD, and everything you know about theology. Sure. Somebody comes along with nothing. (laughs) And he's got the same thing that Greg's got now. He's got grace or you. But see, Paul was highly attained in Judaism. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a right to brag and boast. You know, when he was playing the fool. That's what he says. He's a persecutor, too. Yeah, he was so highly attained, he was given letters to go and arrest Christians. He was he was Big pretty stuff. high, pretty high, and yet he considers that nothing but dumb. For, for some reason, verse fourteen, when you're talking about sin won't have dominion over you, and, and then the follow-on, because you're not under law, you're under grace. Right. Um, for some reason, my mind is going to going to more of an eternal judgment sense. In other words. The sin won't have the eternal, it won't be the governing law to keep me separated from God. It's been taken care of. Now, I may be wrongly leaping there, but is there an aspect, this is a question, that here it's more than just dominion of our life experience here in terms of battling sin, but the power of sin, the dominion of sin is now gone because Uh it's been taken care of, Mm -hmm. and therefore it doesn't have power over me in terms of my ability to come back into a relationship. Correct. We are constantly thinking that we can take those sins off of Jesus, off the cross, and put them back on us. That's another way of saying retie the strings. We're constantly trying to do that. We really can't, but we're constantly trying to do that. And the message here, the proclamation here about for sin will have no dominion over you since you were not under law but under grace, that actually tells us we can't. We can't really do it. We try to do it. We we try to do it and allow that guilt to beat the crap out of us. But in point of fact, we really can't do it. We can't rip those sins off of Jesus. They're there. He bore them for us. We are free, therefore, to return again and again, however many times is necessary. We're free to return. What then? Should we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? He keeps asking stuff like that. <laughs> well, that's because we it was things that were he was accused of preaching at various points and times in his churches. Like he was accused, you know, of, of libertinism. We've already talked about that. This is another illust- a point in the libertine message. One point was you should sin more so you get more grace. Yeah. And you can sin because you're not under law but under grace. And that's what he was being accused of preaching. And in a very simplistic approach would say that was what he was preaching. But that's highly simplistic and doesn't listen to everything that he says. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Meganoita. Heck no. Do you not know that if you present yourselves 
to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, remember, lordship, one of the definitions we came up with was mastery. We are enslaved, hence, to sin when we get, when it is our Lord. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. There is no neutral ground. As I said, you cannot go through life without a Lord. You're going to have a Lord. And if you think it's yourself, you're fooling yourself. Because it's not. And you have, verse 18... And that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. Karen. Read verse 19, uh, eight, um, yeah. 17, 18, and 19. <laughs> Thank God that though you once chose to be slaves of sin, now you have obeyed with all your heart the teaching to which God has committed you. And now you are free from your old master's sin, and you have become slaves to your new master, righteousness. Stop. As I said, there is no neutral ground here. You have a Lord. You have a master. It's not yourself. It's either sin or it's God, righteousness. Keep going. I speak this way using the illustration of slaves and masters because it is easy to understand. Just as you used to be slaves to all kinds of sin, so now you must let yourselves be slaves to all that is right and that does say it well. I like that. Yeah, that's 19. You just made the next 19 too easy. Now we can't struggle through it. <laughs> no. <laughs> this idea of being enslaved is tough for 21st century people. We don't want to think of ourselves as being enslaved to sin. And, and we, yeah. <laughs> I did it my way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We want to think of ourselves as a free spirits, independent, not under the control of anybody. Yeah, right. Slave to sin. Or, and this is the hard part. Now, if you can get them to understand and accept the concept of being enslaved to sin, not really free, you're just enslaved to sin. You can do that because that's a negative concept. But then you take that and you turn it. And then you say, you're slave to righteousness. Who wants to? Ooh, icky poo. And yet. That means I have to be perfect. That's goody two shoes. Yeah. Goody two shoes. 
means that I'm not. It means that I'm not free. Guess what? No one is really ever in control. <laughs> ever. If you think you're in control, take if someone who believes they're really in control, take them to a bunch of funerals, and point to the body in the casket. And then point to that person's will, last will in testament. They thought they had control. They were able to sign their name and make these statements and, you know, do all this stuff. And yet they still died. And whoever gets the stuff is going to decide what to do with it. Yeah, in the end. Job thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like us. I mean, God wrote the Testament, so it's up to us to decide what we are going to do with what God has left us. In, in and I guess sense, you could just, yes. if you say, you, if you ask people, do you want to serve sin or do you want to serve God? That's a better way of putting it, not slavery to. That's, that's a more modern 21st century idea. Do you want to serve sin or do you want to serve God? Do you want to serve... Um, do you want to serve... Uh, impurity and greater and greater iniquity or do you want to serve righteousness which leads to sanctification do you want to serve God over here God <laughs> or do you want to serve Satan yes. let's just put it on side do you want to serve I get that metaphor <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, or screw tape. I mean, let's let's do that. You don't have a choice. I mean, you got to choose yeah, one. You got to choose. You cannot say no. I want to choose. I, I choose me. You can't. That puts you over there. You ain't a lord. You're not a position of authority to 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 become your own because because you are in a living in a thanatos. So much I. You are living in a dying, doomed to death body. You are mortal. And you're not immortal in terms of this. You have an immortal soul, but your body, your life here, it is bounded by your mortality. You have a Lord, and it's either sin or righteousness. And you can choose. And that's where the freedom comes. That Jesus gives us by dying for us, by cutting those strings. We now have the freedom to say, I want to choose God rather than Satan. I want to choose righteousness rather than sin. That's where the freedom comes in. Being able to choose your master. If you receive the grace to make the choice, you have the freedom to choose your master. Your master is not going to be yourself. You can't be your own master. You can pretend that you are. That's one of the aspects of sin that makes it appealing. It, 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 it teaches us that we can be our own master. Uh-uh, that's a lie. We can't be our own master. Sin is our master then. So if we choose to, I'm going to go back to that grace thing. <laughs> if we choose to 
choose to choose to be our own master. Where does that put us? That puts us in the, in the sin of camp because we have bought into the lie that we can be our own master. How We've bought your, into the lie. You're master of your dying body? You're going, when you die, yeah. Master of a dying body. No, I know, I know yeah. some people that are pretty scary that, mm-hmm. you know. Think that. Uh, so do I. I. I'm in control of me, and nobody else has any kind of power over me, oh. <laughs> including yes. God. Inclu- you know, Good nobody, point. nobody. <laughs> I, that'd be very easy way to prove that one wrong. <laughs> Several easy ways to prove that. Some one wrong. There's always there is always someone with more power in this life. There, there is always a bigger. What's the quote from Star Wars? There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> from the little to the biggest, there's always a bigger fish. Bigger predator. In your case, I think it would be the feds. Well, no, I'm, I'm not, and that's not the person I'm talking about. It's, it's a, a complete different person that's really scary. Yeah, a person like that would be scary. I mean, this is somebody that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. They have bought into. They have come under the such under the control of screw tape in that sense. They have bought the lie that they are in control, and sin isn't going to say, "Well, we got to prove to him or her that that they're not." No, they like that. Let let them be lulled into a a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Let them be lulled into that false sense. Heaven forbid, hell forbid that they go the other direction and realize that that they're not in control. Yeah. I was was convinced he's in control. He's not. He's convinced he is, but he's not. And eventually he will die. And then he's really not in control. Yeah, right. It's going to be too late, isn't it? But doesn't that make you... Then Screwtape's going to love him. Realize how fortunate you are. And when you look at somebody like that who is is completely not affected by by this information and about mm-hmm. the free gift of grace, doesn't it make you feel humbly grateful that God opened your eyes to be exposed and absorbed. Oh, yeah. Because this, this guy is like way creepy. I mean, he really has always, and then I've known him for a long time, I didn't even want to be in the same square mile. <laughs> I mean, he puts off those really negative vibes. Just it's r- like he's been turned like over evil. to the strong delusion. Mm-hmm. That he is God, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have known people like that. And you get to the point where you just don't even bother with them anymore. Oh, no, I didn't want to be anywhere around That is an example of someone who's been turned over That's that strong delusion. Robot. They have bought into this um, uh, greater and greater iniquity. Mm-hmm. They really have. They really have. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't have to do it. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? That end 
the, the end of those things is death. It's what we've been talking about. The Athanatos Somatai. The dying, doomed to death body. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved, now in the service of, you might say, God, the advantage, but I, let's, let's, let's read it as he originally wrote it because that's really close. And enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. Double check. Agiosmon. Holiness. Can we, can we hear her read 20 through 22? Just, I want to finish the paragraph and then she'll read it. You get a sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, the wages you earn for sin is death. That does sound a little punitive though. Well, yeah. Come <laughs> yeah. on, that's where it's going. You either do this or you're going to be dead forever. But, but that's where you're going to begin with. And let, yeah, you're, you're going to, the wages of sin is death. That's what it brings, period. By its nature. It brings eternal death where? As opposed to eternal life yeah. in Christ Jesus <clears throat> our Lord. Read verses 22 and 23 in the living. But now you are free from the power of sin and are slaves to God. And his benefits to you include holiness and everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it uses holiness. Agiosmon is the he is the Greek word agios. Uh, holy or sanctified sanctification the whole the whole concept of being being committed unto God and being transformed into greater and greater likenesses of God is what's being communicated there um, the amplified here beginning at verse 22 reads But now, since we have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward in holiness, and its end is eternal life. For the wages which sin pays is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through in union with Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages which sin pays is death. <laughs> so you can earn your way. You cannot earn your way to heaven, but you can earn That's your correct. way to death. <laughs> you have earned your way to hell, definitely. <laughs> exactly. That is true. You earn your way to hell. And you may earn it really fantastically or really poorly or just barely. But you earn your way to hell. You get paid the same. The, way, same, the wage is the same, regardless of the sin. Which, which, is, which is 
the converse of the fact that God's grace the the how how much grace does it take to get to heaven? We don't have the answer to that. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm here rich Oh, please. Karen, you're Lee, watch yourself. You're here. We're no longer whiteboard. So where's the cutoff? Exactly. What is that question? Now, here's heaven. Here's hell. <laughs> Now, now, how much grace does it take to get Karen into heaven, Greg into heaven, Rich into heaven, Lee into heaven? The same. It takes the same for everybody. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. It takes all of it. All encompassing grace. It takes all. So you can't accept part of it? No. <laughs> Man, it's yeah, the same away. amount. We see a difference. Because we see ourselves as further away from heaven or closer to hell or closer to heaven or whatever. Uh-uh. Conversely, without the grace, which is symbolized by the blue, Assume there's no grace there. How much sinning does it take to get to hell? All of it. Doesn't matter. Any. Any, any, any will get to hell. One. <laughs> Doesn't matter how far you are away. Apart from grace. Doesn't matter. One will do it. Oh, if you don't have any grace. Without grace, you're move, pretend there's no blue lines there. Pretend there's no grace on the board. You're, we're the same distance from hell regardless. Now that says, what are you talking about? You know, let's change these names instead of it being us. All right, put let's Hit, see. Put Hitler there. Let's put, uh, I was using green Mary for people. Mother Teresa. Here's Mother Teresa. And T. And here's... Here, well, let's let's leave me on the board. Here's a church member. All right. How about put in put Paul up there too. Uh, let's put Paul here. Let's put Peter here. Let's put Adolf Hitler here. You know. And Pharaoh, I suppose, could go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know what happened to him? Yeah, yeah. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. There. Now, you know, by human standards. You know, some are closer to hell, some are further away. But that's by human standards. It's the same going the other direction. Some are closer to heaven, others are fuller away, further away. In both directions, it's meaningless. By humans, we think, aha, you're closer. You're still going. If, if there's no grace holding up Mother Teresa going to heaven, and there's no grace for Peter, and there's no grace for... Greg, and there's no grace for Peter over here. 
and the, to hold us up and send us to heaven, then eventually we're going to get there no matter what because we're just going to fall right into hell. We're, some of us are closer. Adolf Hitler was a heck of a lot closer. He's got a shorter trip. A shorter trip to take, but he still gets there. And all it takes is one sin to do it or to put it out of the way. All it takes is a lack of grace. So you're saying under the old, under the old law, this is what applies. Under the old law with no grace, it's the red lines that rule. <clears throat> and attempts at righteousness simply get you closer to God's righteousness, but don't actually get you there. Just get you approximately closer. Well, without God's grace, through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So before Christ died on the cross, there would have been no way to get to heaven. Assuming that time was material for God, and in this, and we claim it's not. God's grace on the cross is retroactive too. Oh, okay. Okay. So you didn't read the chapter earlier chapters about Abraham? Yeah, Abraham just lived by faith, was counted as righteous. Because of his faith, he was sort of the father of faith in that regard. And it was what Christ did on the cross applies back for him. <clears throat> okay. Grace, grace overcomes this downward trip. And it takes the same amount of grace, though, to get Mother Teresa into heaven as it takes to get Greg into heaven. All that there is. Greg. No grace is is wasted. By that, by this type of thinking and theory and theology, mm -hmm. would it be fair to say that fairness is not is a human term, not a divine term? Oh, absolutely. Uh, fairness is different from justice. Right. And fairness is a human concept. Okay, good. Not, not a heavenly or godly concept. To be fair... None of us gets to go to heaven. To be fair. God doesn't have to be fair. God's not. God's in charge. God can do whatever God wants. You don't want God to be fair. No. You absolutely don't want God to be fair. It's the definition of the three terms. You know what the difference is between um, justice, mercy, and grace are? I've used this in a sermon in the past. Justice. You're, you're, you're speeding down the highway. Going 50 miles per hour in a school zone. Cop pulls you over and gives you a ticket. That's justice. You got what you deserved. You're going down the highway through the school zone, 50 miles per hour. Cop pulls you over and lets you go without the ticket. You didn't get what you deserved. That's mercy. But you're speeding down the highway 50 miles per hour in the school zone. Cop pulls you over and gives you a $100 bill and an award for fancy driving. That's grace. Getting what you don't deserve. So the difference is getting what you deserve. And when we all want to be truly honest with ourselves, do we want that? No. 
Getting mercy, yeah, we want mercy. We don't want to get what we deserve. But what we need is what we don't deserve, which is grace. Going to hell, you're getting justice. <clears throat> mercy doesn't come into the does, is not a factor here. Not getting what we deserve is that zone in between. But not everybody. Everybody's covered by grace, but men, but not everybody chooses every the body. They don't get in that circle. Every chooses it. Body has grace offered, but not everybody accepts the mercy that is contained within grace, which is the not getting what you deserved, but instead what you don't deserve. When you don't say yes, exercise the freedom to say yes, that ends up being what happens. Justice. So some people still die. Yeah. Oh, hell. I wish everybody would say yes. Everybody would overcome the 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 drive to be a slave to the impurity and greater and greater iniquity. But no, not everybody does. And as to why God doesn't override their will, because God wants freely given love and faith. And if God knows a certain person isn't going to be able to do that, God's not going to override them <clears throat> to answer the question. And screw tape would go hungry. <laughs> yeah, we did, did one. Screw tape would go Poor screw tape. No matter how much, how, no matter how much we love that person or not. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love those who don't love God. It means that because God loves them, God's not going to force them to love God. I mean, I think about the relationship I have with one of my mother's cats who cannot stand me. <laughs> I want to pick up and hug and squeeze and pet that cat. And that cat hates me and doesn't want to have anything to do with me. But there's another cat who's not as pretty, he's not as fluffy, he's not as nice, he has a slight smell to him. He's kind of all rickety and has bones that kind of show. And he loves me. Probably smells a dog on Yeah. And I gather that cat in and pet it anyway, but it's because it comes to me. Now, I would love it if that, that cat that is pretty and has a soft coat and is kind of plump, I'd love it if that cat would come to me and get in my lap and let me pet it, because I want to pet it. But I'm not going to reach out and force that cat. First of all, I'm going to get scratched up pretty nastily. But I'm not going to make that cat try to come to me. You know, most uh, I'm sorry, but when you're when you're a slave to impurity and greater and greater iniquity, we're like the big fat cat that doesn't want to be gathered in by God. We like being a slave to sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, which is what I was trying to illustrate up there before, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Any questions?
we're not the ones who are in the position to do the valuing. God is, and He said, He He sees the value. It's not up. It's not our right to or position to judge God to say I'm not you know, valuable. He's the one who sees the value. Mm-hmm. And whatever he puts this value in, that has the value. If there's no value in it, if there's not a valuer. Just as we are not called to judge others, so also we shouldn't be judging ourselves as having value or no value. God already makes that decision and that determination. And made it. Made it on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then you come on. I like the way you put it, though. There's nothing you could have ever done that God can't forgive. Exactly. That's kind of putting it in human terms. Yeah, that does it. There is not a single thing. And to say that you didn't deserve it would say that Christ didn't satisfy. He didn't didn't satisfy all of what he needed to because he left whatever I did undone. Whoever said that deserving or not deserving is the factor here. It's God's decision. God decided to buy the whole field to get the treasure in it. And the treasure are the... This is quoting Jesus. And the treasure are those who are willing to trust in God. God decided to buy the whole field to get the treasure out of it. God decided upon finding the pearl of great price, faith, people who would respond in faith, to to, to sell all that he had, his son, and, and buy it. Wow. I mean, those are two of Jesus' parables about the kingdom. And, and, and you know, I think he's right. <laughs> I would never think you'd fall on that side. I would hope so. <laughs>